This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. It's Thanksgiving Day, and uh, the dinner had been, been eaten and enjoyed. And so it's in the afternoon, and you do a number of things in the afternoon. You go from room to room, and I was in the library with Jack. Jack is a friend that we've met through the International Friends Program at Missouri State University. And Jack is an international student, and so I was showing him a number of the books that were in our, our one room that we call in our house, our library. Um, we've got books kind of scattered around everywhere, but this just was a, a place we were looking at a number of books, and I was pointing out the, the presidential biographies and autobiographies that I've collected along the way. And then I was showing him a number of, of uh, writings and books across Christian history. And I was telling him, you know, this is from the 1800s, this is from the 1400s, this is, you know, different time span. And then Jack turns to me and says, do you have any Bibles? I said, yeah, we've got Bibles. We've got Bibles here and there and, and then over there. And we've got Bibles kind of everywhere in the room. And I said, Jack, do you have a Bible? He says, yeah, I've got a Bible. It's in two languages, Chinese and, and English. I said, that's, that's good. I said, Jack, do you, uh, do you ever go to Bible studies and knowing that there are a number of Bible studies around the campus at Missouri State, I wondered, you know, maybe he'd engaged in one of those places. And Jack said, no. He said, there's some people that come to my apartment and they have a Bible study with my, with my roommate, but I'm always away at class. And then Jack said this, and it sort of caught me up and got my attention. Jack said, you know, I've never really been seeking Christianity. But he said it with such a... a pause at the end of it to let you sort of fill in the space that would come after that, right? Like I've never really been seeking out Christianity, but I've run, I've kept running into Christians, or I've never sought out Christianity, yet I keep finding places where Christianity seems to be, to be looking for me. And so, as he just kind of paused and we were standing in the midst of books and looking at things, I said, Jack, I said, I think I can tell you this about Christians and Christianity, is that there may be a time in all of our lives when we don't know what we're seeking, or we may not be seeking anything at all. And yet, no matter where we're at, no matter who we are, Jesus is always seeking us. And Jack said, okay. Um, Like, I'll take that for now. But I would like to suggest to you that Jack's sort of surprise at his, his continual run-in with people who are following after Jesus is because God is seeking us. And God shows that he's seeking us, and he's seeking the entirety of the world and people who aren't even seeking. And we find that story throughout the pages of Scripture, and we really find it in this story of the shepherds from Luke chapter 2. Let's read. If you have a Bible or if you've got a, a reading tablet or something, and you want to turn to Luke 2, I encourage you to do that. This is from uh, the message version. There were sheep herders uh, camping in the neighborhood, the neighborhood close to Bethlehem. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly God's angel stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. 
A Savior has been born in David's town, a Savior who is Messiah and Master. That is what you are to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights, peace to all men and women on the earth who please him. And the angel choir withdrew, as the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the sheep herders talked it over. Let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. So they left, running, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing, they told everyone. Uh, they told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. All who heard the sheep herders were impressed. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear, deep within herself. The sheep herders returned, and they let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly the way that they had been told. <clears throat> when, when the angel walks into the midst of the shepherds and he hangs up his cat, or his cap, he doesn't hang up a cat, does he? He hangs up his cat. cat. I don't know what in the world is up with my tongue this morning. It's very dry. Um, he walks into their midst and he uh, hangs up his coat and his cap. That's the, the imagery that I get anyway when, I'm, when I read through Peterson's sort of version of that. That there's not an angel that's flying in from somewhere in, in the space. That he's not dropping down from the clouds. But he's walking into their midst. He walks into their midst as they're gathered around a campfire. As they're, they're gathered on a hillside overlooking the sheep and the goats that are grazing in the pasture below. He walks into their midst among them. And he begins to converse. He begins to listen to what they're saying. And, you know, it's just another day. Uh, not another day in paradise. Not another day where anybody really wants to be. But it's another day, another dollar, another moment when they're up working their job, doing their thing. The thing that they got up for today. The thing that they'll get up to do tomorrow. What they're doing, these shepherds out there on the hillside, they're not doing something that anybody grows up wanting to do, dreaming about being a shepherd. They're simply there because some of them are there because they have to be. They, they never wanted to be. But they've been pushed kind of outside of society. So as a way to sort of feed their families, they, they've become shepherds, sheep herders. Now, they know and everybody knows that there's this sort of rumor that David once was a sheep herder, right? But nobody really wants to be a sheep herder because after David, no sheep herder ever became king. And... Sheep herders don't have the best reputation. It's like uh, they're kind of known for being people who can talk you out of your own sheep. The angel walks into their midst and begins to talk about good news of great joy, which will be for all people, for them. And they're like, what do you mean for us? Dude, are you kidding us? Like the time that we get closest to Jerusalem is when we take the sheep that we've been growing, we take the sheep down so that they can be used in the sacrifices. But even Jerusalem, the place that sort of signifies the reality that we're all supposed to be, have some connection to God, Jerusalem is a place that we don't even get to go. And the angel says, I hear what you're saying, but I'm here to tell you something. I'm here to tell you that, that though you may think you've been cut off, though you may think... You're at the, 
at the low end of the totem pole, though you may not see in yourself a great deal of possibilities, God sees you differently. And I've been sent to tell you that there's good news of great joy, which will be for all people, for the entire world, and for you. Today has been born in the city of David a Savior for you, somebody who's Christ the Lord, somebody who um, is going to be so significant in your life. The angel comes to the shepherds. And the shepherds are people who aren't seeking anything because their expectation in the world in which they live is that God wouldn't draw near to them. And yet, that's exactly the kind of God who steps into the world. In fact, that's the whole idea behind the incarnation of Jesus is that Jesus longs to draw near to each and every one of us. Jesus longs to step into our world. Jesus longs to walk beside us no matter what our station is in life. Not only walk beside us, but invite us to walk along beside him. <clears throat> and so here comes the angel. Good news of great joy sent to you. Um, we, we have all around us people who kind of have the capacity to identify with the shepherds, right? Because there's people that you interact with on a daily basis who are doing stuff. They're getting up every day and going to work, doing things that they don't really like, wondering, what, what does my future hold? I don't know, but today is this job that I don't like, and I've got to do this thing that nobody really thinks highly of, but somebody's got to do it, so here I am. There are people today who, who are going to work the graveyard shift, just like the shepherds were working the graveyard shift. And people will come and go, and they'll be lost in the shuffle. On Christmas Day, you know, on Christmas Day, there will be people who are working gas stations, right? Because people will be traveling, and they'll be in and out. And who wants to work, who wants to work on Christmas Day? That's, that's a bummer. There's people all around us who are like the shepherds. And God, it seems, God has a passion and a heart and a drive and a desire to connect with people who are like the shepherds. And so God sends messengers. To the, angel, or to the shepherds, he sends an angel. Evidently, nobody else wants to go. Nobody else wants to go to the shepherds. So he sends the angels. But who does God send today? Who does God send into the midst of, of places where people aren't sure that they matter to God? Um, I came across an article recently that was talking about a study that was, was done with a, a number of, of young people in the past, uh, the past few years. And the study was written up by Christian Smith, and he was talking about how young people interact with, with faith, how they view themselves in terms of of their understanding of God and how they fit within a, within a religious context. And there were lots of things that, that came out of that study. But the person who, who was writing the article, they said one of the things that we noticed within Smith's own work that he seems to, to, to miss himself is the reality that when Smith went to a bunch of young people and he began asking them questions about their understanding of God, 
They said, nobody's asked us these questions before. Nobody's engaged with us. Nobody's come to us and said, what do you think about God? What do you think about faith? How does faith shape your life? As I was thinking about that, I was reminded about how, how glad and how fortunate we are to have a bunch of people around Schweitzer who want to have those kinds of conversations. And the people who engage in that are young and old, and there's a bunch of them at their Halloween um, party. I, I tried to find their, a picture of them at their Christmas party because they were all wearing, like, ugly sweaters, and it was a, a beautiful thing. But, you know, there, there's people in this picture who are young and, and old, and I love the picture of Mickey Mouse because that's a, that's a guy who's well along in years, right? But he steps into a room, a space where there's young people, and he begins to have conversation and he puts questions into the mix. And young people begin to get the sense that God speaks to people of all, all types, all kinds, and all age categories. One of the other things that we're, we're deeply wanting to do here at Schweitzer is connect with people who Jesus connects with. When Jesus um, enters, the taber- or he enters the synagogue in, in Nazareth, he talks about how um, there will be one who will be sent. Isaiah, looked, Isaiah was a prophet, and he looked for one who would come into the world, who would set the oppressed free, who would give sight to the bl- blind, who would, who would announce the kingdom of heaven. Jesus then went on to say it's, it's here. But before Jesus ever got to that place of announcing that in the synagogue, it was really on display on the countryside. That God's kingdom, God's embrace, God's longing for everybody in the world to know the heart of God and to be brought into the heart of God was on display as God sent the messenger into the midst of the, the shepherds that night. One of the things that we're trying to do here at Schweitzer is connect with people of all stations and places in life. And one of the ways that, that we're seeking to do that is through the ministry of Jobs for Life. You've heard about Jobs for Life and about how uh, people who, who may be looking for a job or who have a job would, would uh, like to, to grow their capacity in some form or fashion. But we just had a class that finished in November. And we asked the people who took the first class how did that connect with them? What did they gain out of that class? And they gave us some responses in this exit interview. We'd love for you to watch it. Jobs for Life at Schweitzer is an engaging journey that will help those who participate keep and excel at a job. I joined Jobs for Life because I was tired of just, you know, working small jobs that just had an hourly wage. I wanted to find a career that best suited me. I knew I needed to improve my life, but I didn't even know how and I had very little self-confidence. They point out things you may not realize in your life, your roadblocks. Being a mentor, uh, we're there on a, on a, you know, twice a week, kind of overseeing the work that's done by the students. We're just there to help guide them as best we can. Helped me with building my resume. They helped me with, you know, my public speaking, as well as, you know, putting together a resume that was suiting for me and that other people could appreciate. My favorite class was the interview, mock-up interview class, so that we could refine our interviews and be proper whenever we go to do an interview. When people give me feedback, it was incredible. It, it boosted my self-confidence and it was like, I couldn't wait to do it again and again. 
My wife even recognized a difference after returning from each class that I felt better and more motivated and more confident. There's a lot of things that I learned that I didn't know before, which was the behavioral interviewing process, which is going just beyond the questions of why you should work here. It's, you know, questions that determine what your attitude is for a person, character building things. I would recommend Jobs for Life for anybody. It would help anybody. Nobody is perfect looking for a job. Anybody can learn something that they need to learn about applications, resumes, and so on. Without Jobs for Life in those classes, I think I would have never made it into a career that I wanted to get into. You can visit our website to sign up for the next section. The next session of Jobs for Life begins January 12th, and we're looking for students. Um, one of the, the great things when uh, the messenger, the angel, came to the shepherds, he announced that good news. When we think about Jobs for Life, of the five graduates last, last fall, four of the graduates came because somebody in the worshiping community of Schweitzer said, hey, there's something that we think would be important and significant to you that we'd love for you to be a part of. So if you know somebody who could, uh, who could benefit through the ministry of Jobs for Life, we would love for you to connect them with Kim Hammonds or Harvey Hank or Don Brom, and we would just... Uh, love to make that connection because we know that God wants to take his, his image that he's planted within each and every one of us and draw out, out of it all of the things that he's called us to. And he's called all of us to very unique things, but he's called all of us to step into the way of his life and his kingdom. <clears throat> you know, one of the fascinating things that the angel says to the shepherds, he says that, that this Jesus, he said he, he's the Messiah, the Christ, in that way, he, he's talking about how Jesus is supposed to be like a savior. And we can think about salvation in a number of different um, pictures or a number of different metaphors. One of the things that will, that will be uh, enlightening um, for the shepherds, and it's, um, it's really rather incredible, is that across the pages of the New Testament, Jesus is often described as the shepherd, right? He's described as the shepherd the good shepherd of the sheep. He's described as one who will leave the 99 and he'll go look for the lost sheep. Within the culture of the shepherds, the last job that anybody would want to have is to be a shepherd. And yet the role, the function, the work that they take up is something that Jesus himself takes up and he begins to lift up as a picture of revealing what God is like. When you think about the job that you have, the task you have, the, the title that you carry, how would Jesus walk in your shoes? And how, in walking in your shoes, would he reflect the personality of God, the person of God? Salvation can look like many things, but to the shepherds, one of the things salvation looked like was that Jesus so identified with us that he takes on our name so that we can identify with him and with God. <clears throat> well, the shepherds, after hearing the angel and the good news, they look to one another and they say, well, these sheep, um, these sheep are precious to us, but we've got to go see, we've got to go do, we've got to go see what the angel has said to us. And so we don't know what happens to the sheep that they're watching, but the shepherds sprint 
and they go down into Bethlehem and they say, we've got to see this baby that's been born. And they find Mary and Joseph and they find the baby and they worship. They leave and they worship and they, they gather around and they find the, the great mystery that's been spoken to them is true, that this one who's been born a babe is lying in a manger. Whose manger? We have no idea whose manger. Maybe the baby is, is lying in their own manger. But one thing the shepherds know and they see with them throughout the rest of their night they, they go back to the place where, where they're at through the streets of Bethlehem and they're shouting and they're proclaiming to one another everything that they've seen there are people who've been moved they remind me of of another person that we met through the International Friends uh, program at Missouri State a girl by the name of Angela Angela came to to America looking for the same kind of experience as Jack. You know, she came looking to, to go to school here, to, get, to have part of an education here, to see what American life was like. And as she was here, she began to connect with people who began to connect her with God. And she, in fact, had her own connection with God. Last spring, Angela was baptized here at Schweitzer. And it was because of a number of different people who simply told her the story of Christ in their own life. And Angela began to hear that God wanted to draw her into to his life. And so she found God true to her here in the baptistry. And then Angela went back to China this summer. And in August, she sent us an email. She said, you know, I've been here for a while and I've not been able to connect with anybody she was feeling a little distressed. She was feeling disconnected. She was feeling lonely. Lonely in her faith. Lonely with, with who do I talk to? But then she began to share her story with uh, other people in appropriate ways. People that she continued to, to come into contact with. And God really, I think, answered a, a deep prayer that she was praying. Like, Lord, where, is the, where's, where are there people here who know you that I can connect with? And so God began to put people around her. In the same week when Jack told me that, uh, that he'd never really been seeking out Christianity, <clears throat> Angela wrote us an email. She said, I found a group of people that I can connect with, that I can grow deep in, and that, and that Christ continues to, to engage me in. Um, if the Lord has been calling out to you, if he's been seeking to connect with you, uh, we'd like to let you know that there are some classes that you can be a part of here at Schweitzer. In fact, in, in January of 2015, there's a, a class I'd recommend to you if, if you've been investigating the faith. It's called Basic Christianity. You could take that class. You could be a part of a group of people who listen for what God is up to in our midst. But Angela, uh, it was just it was marvelous to get that email for her to say, there's a group of people who are longing after God. And, and Jesus is here. I know I've met Jesus when I was there, but Jesus is here, and he's walking in, in the shoes that I walk in. You know, um, Jack came to this country, and he comes from a culture where there aren't a lot of people who are seeking after God, or at least the culture doesn't reveal that. And in the place where we live, a number of us, we can live under the shadow of a church, right? We can, have, we can have Christmas music, talk about the story of God all around us. 
And yet we can live all of our lives almost in the same place where Jack is, not really seeking after Jesus, because there's just sort of a culture of, of life, of faith. There's a culture that we can just sort of ease our way through. And yet, as we approach Christmas this year, I wonder if, I wonder if God would have something more for us than just singing carols and just celebrating Christmas like we always do. I wonder if Jesus and the mangers and the angels wouldn't simply call out to us to say, don't just sing about me, but know me. Don't just hear the story, but step into the story. Find yourself living in the story. Find not only that um, it's a story you can tell, but that you can live. See, I think, I think that's what God wants us to know. That whether we're seeking him or not, he's always seeking us. And he's always inviting us to follow. Amen.